Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is February. No, it is March 7th. Whoa, 2012. And you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Good evening. Bob Ryer. That was some hell of a leap day. We moved an entire month forward. We did. It's true. And Stephanie Cook. Hello. Yeah, I messed that one up. It's the first show we're doing in March. Yes. Ever. (laughs) So there we go. Um, it's the first time I've ever read a date out as well. I practiced my mind over and over again because I was very sure of the date because Mass Effect 3 came out on March 6th, oh. which is a Tuesday. Um, and I played it for six hours on Tuesday. Well, I played it for an hour and a half Monday night because I, I went to mid, uh, midnight. And, you did? Yeah, yeah. I got the, nice I got job. the game. Oh. So did I you played, get the deluxe one? No. Did you get the book? Oh. No. The strategy guide? No. Oh, oh come strategy on. The strategy guide? guide. BS what on era that. are you living in? There's strategy guides all over the place. I don't need a strategy guide for Mass Effect. Yeah. Some you know, people, strategy people guide, that yeah. really like the game, they want the, like the hardcover, deluxe, you know, no, suck don't. you off version. That's I'm not <laughs> one of those people, though. Yeah, all like right. in 2000. Uh, in the 90s. <laughs> Brady's ga- Brady Games official strategy guide. Prima's going down because of people <laughs> like you, Bobby. Because of game FAQs is what are going down. Um, but I played it for a long It's great. Um, the story is really good. The combat is much better. Having a great time with it, um, but I'm st- I'm six hours in, but I still have many hours to go. So, but um, in more pressing news, Stephanie, you just moved. I did Ooh. all the way across the country, sort of. The Canada is the country in question here. Yes, well, right. halfway across the country, okay. I moved from Prince Edward Island, mm-hmm. which, for all you people who aren't Canadian, you can Google it. And. Uh, <laughs> I moved back to my city of Toronto, mm-hmm. where I am living the life. <laughs> the life. I, I hope you all can hear the enthusiasm in my voice right now, and understand how joy, how how joyous this is for me. <laughs> the question is, how much Jeopardy have you watched, Stephanie, since you've been back in Toronto? A lot. A lot. There has oh. been a lot. I, I've watched. I've only been back since Friday, and. Um, I watched Jeopardy every day this week. What was your favorite question? And, oh, well, I told you guys this before, but uh, it was like the geekiest question I've seen so far. And uh, I don't remember what exactly the wording was, but it was basically a question about uh, which which sitcom is the never nude Tobias Fumke from. And uh, I was like, never nude, arrested development. Yeah. And my grandma, she was, she was so thrilled with me. She was like, you're so smart, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I felt very pleased with myself. As you should be. Yes. <laughs> now, do they run them twice in a day where you could sort of watch, you know, the episode at four o'clock, then watch again at seven and know all the answers? They do that a lot around here. No, 
I haven't seen that with Jeopardy, but I did watch like The Mentalist with my grandma yesterday in the <laughs> afternoon. And then I went to go. She was like, oh, come watch The Mentalist with me in the evening. And I was like, we watched this one this afternoon. She's like, I don't remember it. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, okay, you can watch this. And I went off to watch uh, Smash. Oh, yes. Oh. I like, yeah. I like your Oma voice. Yeah. It's very entertaining. She might she might make a guest appearance. Oh, that'd be Who great. <laughs> you never know. And then you'll you'll get to hear it for yourself. She sounds like she's gonna want to bake everybody a pie. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like to me. She doesn't she doesn't really bake, but she did buy me ice cream sandwiches. Ooh. <laughs> she's a keeper. Wow. Yes. Because <laughs> ice cream sandwiches are fucking delicious. Let's be honest. They, <laughs> yeah. they really are. Yeah. And uh they are like key. I was eating ice cream sandwiches and watching Jeopardy and enjoying a nice cup of tea. Mm. Was wow. uh, very dainty, and I felt kind of. <laughs> Congratulations! You know. You're 75 years old. <laughs> I, uh, yes. I want to move to Toronto. This sounds like the ideal existence. Sit around, watch TV, and have cookies and ice cream sandwiches and tea. <laughs> I know, it's so awesome in my pajamas. Oh, even better! Yeah, that's a good feety pajamas. Let, let, we want full disclosure here. I well, they have polar bears on them. <laughs> we haven't gotten a chance Did you to get them from your internet company? Yet. Was that like part of the gift basket? Right. <laughs> Connect with yes, the internet. Yes, I was born get... into yeah. Canada. Thank I you for choosing Polar Bear <laughs> Internet. <laughs> <laughs> Just deal with it. Everybody born in Canada. Sorry, Seventy, go ahead. Oh, no. I'm totally going to go see baby polar bears at the zoo on Friday. I'm so excited. That sounds adorable. Let's Literally the first thing I planned when I got back. Mm. And you can actually <laughs> see movies now. Yeah. What? You can actually see movies now. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. I'm gonna go see uh, John Carter this week and yeah. the hockey movie Goon. With I just got Williams. that last night. Is it was it good, Sean Williams? I didn't watch it yet, but I have it, and I plan on watching it very soon. I'm very excited. It's playing here in like all the theaters. It's like limited release everywhere else except for like in Toronto. It's mm. playing on um, Amazon here. Yeah, you can, and iTunes. You can order, and iTunes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it just didn't come out in yeah. theaters here. No, hockey movie. Nobody cares. Oh, yeah. Shh. If it's not slap shot, nobody cares. Yeah. Or the ducks. I care. I like Sean William Scott. Oh, I like Sean William Scott too. I actually want to see it. Yeah. I'm just saying the general public. He makes me laugh. Leave Schreiber. Leave Schreiber. Leave yeah. Schreiber. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Thank you. Sorry. He's got weird My, cheeks. Yeah. Well, she Stephanie'd that name, so it's okay. Oh. <laughs> it's a God. new verb. Don't worry. I'm going to Stephanie up a name later. Yeah. I, I'm going to as well uh, on the book I'm going to talk about. So we'll be fine. Um, oh. Good segue right into yes. comic books. Speaking of comic books, hey. Um, so we're gonna do our book of the week right now. Um, I believe Stephanie, you're gonna go first. I am. So as you guys heard, I'm back in Toronto. So I decided to go visit a few of my old haunts for comics. Um, I went to my favorite store, which sells like secondhand books and comics again, um, and I found a copy of Steve's book of the week a couple. Weeks ago, the Luna Brothers girls. Oh, I didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah, no, I was like, <laughs> and then I also found a copy of Lock and Key Volume One. Yeah. Um, anyways, so basically, if you're not familiar with Lock and Key, um, it's written by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. It's true. Um, <laughs> the art's by Gabriel Rodriguez, who I don't like. The art seems familiar to me, but I don't recognize his name. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Anyways, it's published by IDW, and it's probably the only comic in their printing that's actually worth checking out on a regular basis. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I disagree with that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Anyways, so basically, <laughs> we'll discuss. On. We'll discuss later. Well, we'll discuss that later. Um, so basically, uh, this story. I just read issue number one, so not the vault. I bought the volume one, but this is just specifically the first chapter. Um, so this family gets struck with like this horrific tragedy. Um, and there's like a dad, a mom, and there's three kids, uh, two boys and a girl. Anyways, the parent or the mother and the kids basically murder, not murder, they don't murder, they witness. <laughs> The murder of their father. And um that is different. Yeah, different story if they yeah. murder their father. <laughs> yes. No, they're not homicidal it's, it's maniacs. Macbeth. They witnessed homicidal maniacs. Okay. Homiciding. <laughs> so homiciding. Wow. <laughs> uh, I think you're into the catnip God. tonight, Stephanie. I know. Anyways. So basically this kind of in turn leads to um the story of Locke and Key. They're the Locke family. And they move into Key House, which is basically what you would imagine. Like, if you asked a little kid to draw, draw a haunted house, it would be Key House. It's just spooky, scary, sinister. It's sinister. Word of the week. We need, like, Pee Wee's Playhouse screaming to cue in when we say certain words. (laughs) Um, And basically, this house, like... The f- most of the story focuses, it goes back and forth between the tragedy and the funeral um, and just sort of what happens and the kids and what's going on with them. And um, only the, I, probably the last quarter of the book deals with getting them getting to Key House. Um, the youngest boy, he finds a key to a door. I think it has like a skull on it. And basically, he finds out that these, the house opens up doors and the doors do certain things. Um, so, like, he finds this one door, and he turns into a ghost. And mm. I, they don't really explain it very much yet. Um, they just sort of, you know, like the parents and the adults kind of play it off as, oh, he's so crazy. He's trying to deal with his father's death. And, you know. <laughs> In that flip of voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Well, he draws a comic, and he's like, this is what I did this summer. And it shows his father getting shot. And then like it's like this really graphic little comic wow. that this little boy draws. How old is he like, in the book? And then I turned into a ghost. And one day I hope I can see my dad when I'm a ghost. And the teacher's basically like, yeah, was- your kid is mentally ill. Crazy pants. Um, it's super like just the characters are so well built up. And uh it just does such a really good job of pacing the story and bringing you into this house and giving you a glimpse into what these kids went through and where they are at this point when they get to this house and they're going to be starting a new school and uh, just basically starting over a new life. And um, I'm really interested to see where it goes. They don't give you very much of the supernatural, but it gives you enough to know that there's more to come and the house, there's a lot more to it than what it seems. Hmm. So, Sounds interesting. Very that cool. is my book of the week. Well, I have a little something, something to add to that, actually. Yes. Uh, yes. I am uh, looking at the previews uh, book. And according to this, I believe in, sorry, <laughs> I believe in May, um, there is a lock and key, the game coming out. Uh, it is developed by Cryptosiac or Cryptosiac. 
Uh, makers of the World of Warcraft trading game and featuring Gabriel Rodriguez stunning lock and key art. This card game lets you inside Key House, where walking through the door will transform you and hate-filled creatures await. <gasps> Uh-oh. So, you might be uh, finding yourself inside of Key House before too long and opening oh. up some doors yourself. Mm. How about that? We'll pick it up, and uh, once you guys read Lock and Key and such, we'll have a... Lock and key sinister board game party. We sinister. We'll, we'll meet in Detroit or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. Is the board game sinister or is the party going to be sinister? Because I don't really want to go to a sinister party. Oh, they're the oh, best. They're they're the best be time. Sinister, man. They're the best, man. Come on. And the board game is sinister. Gotcha. So, you know. But the hanging out will be a good time. Yes. yes. I won't be worried about like somebody killing me while we're playing the board game. No, no. Yeah. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. I will not bring any homicidal tendencies. I hope Steve won't or Bob. So, you know, if anyone... <laughs> well, don't trust me. All Watch I've, all I've yeah. got, wait, wait, is homicidal tendencies, <laughs> Stephanie, so... Um, okay, well, maybe we should not have this party. Yeah. Uh, we should we try anyway. won't tell Steve about it. No, <laughs> le- let's, let's have the party, yes. Um, we should record the party. Yeah. I really want to read Lock... I really want to read Lock and Key. I love Stephen King's work and... Um, I, from I have a friend who is really also into Stephen King's work and has been reading Lock and Key and says there's a lot of similarities between the the two kind of styles as far as like character building and world building and stuff. So I'm very interested to read it. They're actually doing a book together right now that just came out. I think it's also from IDW. Mm. Um, and I'm going to seem like a ill-informed ass right now because I can't remember the name of it. It's like Hell on Wheels or something like that. Oh, uh, uh, Road good, Rage. Road Rage. I have it. I have it. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. So I was pretty close to Hell on Wheels. It's yes. interesting. It's like um, like uh, Indian tribes mixed with uh, like supernatural elements with um, like a biker gang. Cool. It's kind of like, um, like Sons of Anarchy meets mm. the Cherokees or something like that. Awesome. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> with some so. supernatural stuff thrown in. Yeah, yeah. Of okay. course. It's, you know, it's King so, yeah, yeah. Or, or King's offspring. Yes. So he's going to be like, boy, you can't write, and that's not his voice. But you can't, you can't write anything without, you know, try. some ghosts and shit. Yeah. Much closer. Yeah. Um, there's also, I don't know if it, you can find it online anymore, but um, I know previously they did a pilot for Lock and Key, and yes. they showed it at Comic Con, wow. and it was pretty well received, but didn't get picked up. So there's a trailer ooh. for it. Yeah. So if you can look, look that up and find it, maybe we'll stick it in the show notes Neato. Uh, for this this week's show. Um, so that's Lock and Key, Volume 1 uh, from Stephanie by Joe Hill. Um, well, that with, was just number one, like or chapter one. I didn't actually get through the whole thing. Okay. So you're not, going, you're not going to endorse the entire volume. Yes, but I'm sure it's fantastic mm. given that it has like a zillion other volumes. Yes. A zillion. Absolutely. Okay, him by that, there's like four or five. Yeah. <laughs> um, and art by Gabriel Rodriguez? Yes. Okay. Um, so, Steve, you're up next. I am. Take us back in the past a little bit here with your book of the week. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, of Stephen King, I was actually at uh, Stephen King's house just the other day. Hmm. Stalking him? Hmm. No, yeah. I wasn't yeah. having like dinner with him or anything. Uh, well, I took a... No, stalkers he, he, wouldn't really have dinner with them yeah. unless they were holding someone <laughs> Unless I was really clever about it. Yeah. No, Stephanie, what he was doing was driving up and down the road out front of his house with a van looking if he could run him over yeah. again. Said so free candy on the outside. <laughs> yeah. So, or new ideas. Oh! oh. Anyway, 
Um, so long car ride. It takes a long time to get to Maine. And I had a lot of time to read. And one of the things that I did read was uh, we're driving all the way back to 1988 mm. for uh, Batman and A Death in the Family. Oof. Yes. This is the uh, famous tale of when uh, Jason Todd's uh, Robin character dies. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I don't know what I what I can really say about it other than um, it was very, very I, I'd always heard the story, but I never actually got to read it for myself and see the original. And, you know, you've heard versions of it. Or you've seen versions of it. Um, Bobby had mentioned the whole thing about watching Batman under the Red Hood, mm-hmm. how they go back to that. And they, you know, they depicted it for you in kind of like a like a, a new way. Um the book is extremely, extremely well written. It's basically the story of Tony Todd. He finds out that he. Jason Todd. I'm sorry. Not the Candyman. <laughs> yeah, not the Candyman. <laughs> Say his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe so we were talking about his father or something. So I didn't want to like correct. Yeah, you. no. I thought I, the same thing, Steph. You're good. You're in I good read. Company. I read 11 books in the last 48 hours, <laughs> so my characters are a little screwed up. Anyway. Um, Pretty much, he finds, I'm going to say he, he finds out that he he goes to his old neighborhood. He's in a pissy mood, and he goes to his old neighborhood, and a uh, neighbor basically yells down to him and is like, hey, I have some of your parents' old stuff. Do you want it? So he goes up into the apartment. He gets the box. He's rifling through it, and he finds his birth certificate. Lo and behold, there's his father's name, all well and good, but the mother's name is crossed out. And the only thing that's left that's that's readable or legible is a S. That is not the beginning of her name. Her name eludes me right now, but it does not start with the letter S. So, of course, he goes to the Bat Cave, into the Bat Computer, and he basically comes to find in the box an address book of his father's. And he takes down the names of three different women who are all have these, like, he couldn't have dated anybody normal no, or, or known comics. anybody normal. No, they're no, all no. like secret agents and superheroes <laughs> and humanitarians, and they're working in Ethiopia and what all these can things. What say? He has a type. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. So he's a pretty well-traveled man, or at least his women are. And uh, so he decides that he wants to find his real mother, and he's going to visit these three women and see if he can reconnect with his mom um, he's feeling very down and out. It's all he wants to do. And at the same time, the Joker is causing some pretty bad business for the United States of America, mainly that he's actually gotten his hands on a nuclear missile and is looking to sell it to terrorists in, mm. I think, believe Saudi Arabia. And it's like a whole um, – the, the four issues are very uh, political – and it's very much like in the time of when it was written, when all that stuff was like really starting to get to get going. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a really interesting commentary on on the times. But at the same time, it's a very, very, very uh, sad read. Like you, you know, you know the end of it. You mm-hmm. know he's going to die from the very first page. But it's the journey that that matters. And even though I'd heard the story ten thousand times before. Mm-hmm. Reading it for myself was completely different than hearing it from somebody else, you know, right. and um, just like the the desperation in in Robin and wanting to like he he feels so lost to begin with that there's this ray of hope in finding his mother, finding blood, and actually have salvaging a family again, and of course 
things don't really pan out for him. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very, it was a very tragic read, but ultimately very enjoyable at the same time. So, Did it make you cry? I don't cry, Stephanie. <laughs> No. There's no crying in comics. No, it didn't. It didn't make me cry, but it definitely. Um, there's one. The 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 main page, like the main splash page of Batman pulling him out of the wreckage and carrying him, and he's broken and bleeding and everything. Like I felt, it was weird. I felt more for Bruce and more for his guilt and his. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's already got demons mm-hmm. already, and then him taking on another Robin, and he swore he'd never do it, and then he just he died and mm-hmm. he feels responsible and his battle with wanting to kill the Joker, but needing to remain true to his, to his deal of not killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, the Joker pulls some really, really awesome um, stunts in this book. And um, it's just, like I said, I'd never read it before. I know it's a very famous story. A lot of people have read it and um, to have experienced it for myself, it was really, really cool. And it was definitely one of the things of many that stuck with me during the weekend when I was reading so much stuff. But um, I felt like I had like, achieved something by reading it for mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. It, it's a great period for Batman. Look, Jim Starlin, who at Marvel was doing Warlock and all that sort of stuff, kept in Marvel for years and was mostly thought of as an artist. This showed his writing chops mm-hmm. solely apart from what he was drawing, which was pretty amazing. And Jim Aparo is one of the signature Batman artists. This is a period where Batman's still a detective. It's dark, but you know, you're looking at he's got a cape that might be 37 feet long. <laughs> and it just sort of plays right. It's not right anatomically. It doesn't look like it's supposed to, but the storytelling level, panel to panel, page to page, the rhythm of it. Yeah. This is this is Batman. You've assimilated all the 60s and 70s stuff into one place. We can deepen the story, deepen the character. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be broody and broody and awful. He's still a human being, and that's why he feels so badly. That shot you're talking about as he walks out of the wreckage. Yeah. It is heart-rending. really is. The, yeah. uh, the interesting thing to me about the, the Jason Todd situation is I like m- the fallout more than I, I guess okay. I appreciate the idea of the story because the idea of the story to me is weird that DC was like, okay, we do you want us to kill this guy? Vote yeah, on it. Vote on it. Yeah. And, and what was the total vote you just gave us, Steve? Uh, he died up. by how many votes? It was, uh, the final tally was 5,271 for and 5,343 against. Mm. Ouch. Yeah, not uh, you know, not some really hanging chads kill Jason Todd, right? Because correct me if I'm wrong, Bob. I was not reading <clears throat> Batman comics at this time. People hated Jason Todd. That may not be a strong enough word to use. You know, he Lo- was loathed. He was whiny and kind of a yeah. dick. You know, so he had to go. So it was not. It was almost inevitable that he was going to, but right. that people would actually do it. Mm-hmm. And then, I said off air before we began, for the outside, for the general public, this was Dick Grayson dying. Right. Mm-hmm. No one quite knew. Oh, Robin's dying. Yeah. This was a big news story in this time. This was a big effing deal. Right. Yeah. Um, it, I, you know, it's, I, it, but it leads to, I, I, Tim Drake is my favorite Robin, yeah. so um, I think it's an interesting playoff, right? I, I mm-hmm. think they had to get through the Jason Todd era 
to know the mistakes they had made yes, with bringing a character back. And so they bring back Tim Drake, who I think is great. You know, he's he's does not really that damaged at all. You know, nope. he's a great counterpoint to mm-hmm. Bruce in in a, in a lot of ways. Great point, mm. Stephanie. Uh, have you ever read uh, Death in the Family? I haven't. Um, <gasps> I saw sort of his death. I don't know if it's the same in uh, Under the Red Hood. Uh, it's very, very similar. He does get beaten to death with a crowbar and then uh, explodey all over the place. Because <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> explodey? But... Yeah. I like that's what, that's what we're calling it. It's a cool book. It's it's dark without being dark. Like, it's just the, the yes. art of it, the tone of it. Um, like I said, it's very political mm-hmm. and I'm usually pretty turned off by anything like political or militaristic. Like mm-hmm. I just, it's not my thing, but, um, it is Batman. So I was willing to, <laughs> to roll with it. Right. But the, the emotion that was going on in the book, the, the wanting for him to at least, you know, he's going to die. You at least want him to find his mother and have that moment of, of solace and that moment of, of achievement mm-hmm. before it's all snuffed out. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, it was cool. Like I haven't, there haven't been too many comics that I've read that have like hit me or have like made me be like, you know, whoa, but <laughs> for, for this, I was like, I was, I don't even know this Robin. And I'm like, oh man. Right. But I'm sure if I got to know him and find out he's a dick, I wouldn't yeah. care. <laughs> he's still dead and lying in yeah. ruins he's over still here. still a kid who's dead. dead yeah. So it's a little bit... So for you guys that are familiar with him, Jason Todd, who's more annoying, him or Damien? Because Damien's pretty freaking aggravating. <laughs> um, Damien is an interesting character because I think Damien is extremely aggravating in the first two issues of Batman and Robin, the new Batman and Robin. Um, but having been caught up on it and, and uh, reading the whole arc that Peter Tomasi did... Um, he ends up not being as frustrating to me because there's a, a, definitely a growth there. Okay. I, believe, um, I believe there's a new one today. Yeah, actually. There is a new one today. There, there's a reason why Damien is angry and kind of a dick because he was raised by assassins and raised <laughs> to be a horrible person. See, that didn't, it didn't help me at all being raised by assassins. Right, I no, was it didn't. Very, I'm very angry. You're very congenial, though, Bobby, even though you were raised <laughs> by assassins. <laughs> I couldn't deal with it. Like, I tried to read the Batman and Robin run, mm. and I could not get past Damien. He just annoyed the crap out of me. Gotcha. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I mean, you, it, Tim Drake, like I said, he's Red Robin now, so he's in the yes. Teen Titans universe at this point. Um, but to me... Like I, I really like Dick Grayson as Nightwing. Um, I feel like when Dick Grayson was still Robin, he was written in that very cheesy way. Gee, Willikers, you, you, you know what yeah. I mean. So he, it, I took, don't, it took Earth Two to fix that. Right, the, the adult Robin on Earth Two who was who took up Batman's mantle was a much better character than the Robin they were writing on Earth One at that point. Gotcha. But when he becomes Nightwing, I think they make, do a very good job of making him yes. into his own character. And I think Jason Todd they get it wrong, but I think in with Tim Drake they get it right because you, um, he's not cheesy, but he's he's funny. Um, he's a little bit lighter. But he's you know he's well trained and he and he, he can hold his own and he seems a little bit even though he's not really that much older he seems a little bit older you know, he's it, definitely more mature you know yeah. he's more mature so um, I recommend if you guys can go back and l- read some Tim Drake era Robin stuff he's actually the Robin who's in um, the Kevin Smith stuff the Widening Gyre 
that's the Tim Drake. Which is awesome. That's, yeah, and he's awesome in it. He's great in it. Um, so that's what I would I would recommend for that. Um, so Death in the Family, um, obviously in trade for a very long time at this point. Um, but that's really cool to hear you talk about it. Cause yeah, man. Very, very much worth picking up. Awesome. Awesome. So, find it anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk about a book, actually, that's coming out today. Um, it's called Hell Yeah. And it's from Image Comics. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's a very interesting story, right? It's a superhero story, but the premise is this. 20 years ago during the first Gulf War, which that sounds crazy to me yeah. to say that, um, uh, there was a soldier who was captured and was about to be executed. And before he can be executed, he's saved by a group of superhumans. And these are the first superhumans that have ever appeared on Earth. So... But in those 20 years, the world's completely changed. Um, they've done all those things that, you know, when you're a kid and you're reading a comic book and you're like, why didn't Superman just go over and stop this war sure. that's happening? You know, which is obviously addressed to very bad results in Watchmen, but this yeah. is the more kind of lighter version of it, at least so far, which is these superhumans, they, they end the war, they, they're fixing, you know, the world's hunger problems. They're doing all this stuff that superheroes never do, in books, in superhero books. Um, and also, since they've shown up, superheroes have to be born. People have begun to be born superheroes. Um, our lead character is Benjamin Day, who is the son of the soldier who got rescued. He has superpowers, but and he goes to Superhero Academy, which there are these bunch of these superhero academies now. Um, he's kind of a... Um, he's angry, he's kind of... He misbehaves, he doesn't want to live up to his... Who his father is and what his father what his father's associated with, um, and his his character I think is the main weakness of the book. But I want to talk about kind of the strengths of the book, which are the fact that um, the ideas in the book are very very strong and very cool and have this great mix of there's some sci-fi ideas, there's some time travel ideas, there's superhero ideas, and where I I feel like it could have come out seeming busy and unfocused. It feels very focused. It feels like all of these things probably have something to do with each other. We just don't know what they are yet. Okay. Um, there's mm. a great cliffhanger at the end that makes you definitely want to read to the next issue. Love that already. Um, unlike a lot of first issues, which I feel like a lot of what happens when we read first issues is, oh man, this issue's great. It does all this good, cool stuff. We read issue two and we're like, okay, well, they didn't do anything. You, yeah. you know? <laughs> this issue. Meh. This issue feels like, to me... It's not quite there yet, but it has so many cool ideas that can't can only be, you know, continued. That I feel like it's only going to get better as as it goes along. Um, it's Image Comics is out today. Um, really cool book. Um, I, I reckon everybody picks it up, but uh, it's tough because obviously guys couldn't have read it yet. But it's yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's definitely a really interesting, really interesting read. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Hell Written yeah. By, <laughs> oh God, drawn gonna, by? I'm going to Stephanie these names yes! right now. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So it's written by... Oh, Here, we go. Here we go. Yeah. It's not even the artist. Get uh, ready, the, the, Stephanie. The Get ready. It's Joe Keatonich is the writer, and it's illustrated by Andre... Sismowich. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> let me spell. Let me spell the last okay. name for you. S Z Y M A N O W I C Z. I need uh, to see that. I got, I got nothing. Yeah, yeah, I uh, need to see that. The first one, I I was sold, but yeah, no, I don't the know. First, the, the first one I got right. The second Sismanovich. 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 Not Manovich, really. Manovich. Yeah. Uh, Sismanovich. 
Siz Manovich. It's got the Stephanie stamp of approval it on does. it. Uh, <laughs> I, I should be scared. I should be scared. No one's names are pronounceable. But the, uh, the no splash title sacred. page is really cool. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, you can't <laughs> see it, but... We can, and boy, the guys, that's a the hell of a... people here can see it. It's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Um, 3D. It seems like it has... It's cool, because the lead character is friends with the smartest girl in the world... And I, I like the, those kind of dynamics. It's, it has a little bit of that silliness to it. Um, the, the art is interesting. I don't love the art, but I, I think the art will serve, its, it will serve the story uh, very well. Um, but I look forward to reading it in the future because, just like I said, the, the last hook to it gives me hope for a very cool story. And the fact that it's a creator-owned book, an image book, it means it's not. I don't think it's going to language as much. And, well, these characters have to go on for... 700 issues so we don't we can't really move right. forward too quickly which is one of the refreshing things obviously about independent books well with, with a book that has so much going on as you're saying mm. it could be anything issue two you don't know yet where the switch on the switch will be yeah absolutely um really good really cool and i also will recommend um i i think i talked about it briefly a couple weeks ago but the venom series that's going on right now mm. they're doing these issues every week and it's going to wrap up actually I, i'm pretty sure today is the last issue um it's been really cool, the story about Blackheart trying to take over the world and turn it all into hell. Um, it's been really cool. The Two issues ago, um, all the characters kind of went into into hell, and you see like their versions of hell, which are all these things where they get exactly what they want, but then it's taken away from them. Ouch. It's and like it, those dreams that you have when you get you win the Toys R Us shopping spree. Exactly. Uh, and you wake up in the morning and like you still have your eyes closed and you're hoping yeah. that the pile will still be in the middle of your room. <laughs> and you wake up and you're like, no! Yep. Just like that. Hell's just like that. <laughs> um, but that is, that is exactly what it's like, actually. Um, but there's some really cool stuff in it, like a Flash. You know, he, he's been amputee he's an amputee from being yes. in war and he has his legs back in the in this thing and he gets to oh. be spider-man like spider-man gives him the mantle of spider-man and then it's just all this fantasy uh, that, that that hell is doing to take it away from him that flashes back to the really uh, the middle 60s flash was spider-man's biggest defender mm-hmm. when everyone was going after spider-man so that's a wow yeah that's, it was, that's heavy stuff right there to be very 1960s about things. <laughs> really good. And because it's this enclosed arc and it's happening so quickly, which I really like. I like that it's every week. Yeah. I like that I get to read the next part of the story every week. It feels like it's moving. It feels like it has an end point. And so it feels like it's really going gonna, gonna to finish itself off well. Word. Wow. So it's really good. Um, Bob, your book of the week. Oh, this is going to get this is going to get very meta over <laughs> here. Um, because last week I only bought three comics. Mm. Because Much it was like the rest of, of us. It was mm. one of those kind of weeks, and two of them got slagged, and yeah. we'll talk about that on the site or somewhere else <laughs> at some point. The other one was Future Foundation, which I've talked enough about Jonathan Hickman for like a lifetime. <laughs> so um, because they published a giant omnibus, omnibus version of this, I'm going to speak about a, a book by Adam Warren called Empowered, which is an English-language manga book about a, a young woman named Alyssa Megan Powers, hence her name, who is into superheroes, actually studies in college to like superhero studies, and finds... There's a college course oh God, yeah, There is, there is so, in comic books. I'm so excited. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I'd love to study that I too. could graduate tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> finds this sort of r- 
crazy super suit that gives her superpowers. What you have here is this sort of, it's a loving satire of all the cliches of superheroes. But the beginning of this book was, Warren did some work for Gen 13, he did some Teen Titans, and he was commissioned to do pinups of um, a damsel in distress superheroine by a customer with, as, as Empowered puts it herself within one of the uh, fourth world breaky pages, as she puts it here, a customer with specialized interests. She is a, to her own words, a very lame superheroine. She fails continually and ends up captured by supervillains and all sorts of things. And it was done as sort of one-page bits. He got bored of that and began writing slightly larger stories and then larger ones and discovered she has a personality and a backstory. And he turned this into this, what could have been just exploitation, is now this sort of loving character whose voice is the book itself. She has body issues, superheroine inadequacy issues. She thinks she's just terrible. Assume she's fat. Where's a, a, what she describes as a cruelly revealing super suit. She's not fat. She thinks she is. <laughs> yeah, but here's the, de- here's the deal. The deal That's is... How self-esteem works, Steve. It, thank you, Stephanie. I was hoping you would chime in here. She assumes she is despite everyone telling her she isn't. She's part of a... a she's the associate junior member of a super group called the Super Homies. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yo, yo, yo. Right, right, exactly. And they don't let her do much of anything. She does succeed here and there, accidentally, throws cars and throws out her back. Her suit rips into a million pieces and she has no powers and gets captured and thrown off bridges and all sorts of things. Takes up with, she has a, a, a boyfriend who is a reformed witless minion called Thug Boy. <laughs> She really watched these names, and they're really kind of telling her yeah, what yeah, her life's going to be right. like. But he turns out to be a really good person who was just doing it for money because what he was doing on the side was ripping off the supervillains he worked for to steal their crap because they don't notice. They're busy maniacally laughing. So he steals the bits of their supercars and whatever and sells them on eBay. So again, this is one of these crazy sort of things that's all over the lot. It's wonderful sort of penciled, non-inked artwork, shaded wonderfully, and, and, and shaded in an emotional way where you get to see this character has, as it's changed from what could have been just crass weirdness, you know, semi-bondage weirdo artwork to... Hey. Okay. But you know, she acquires friends and, and enemies, and they all end up blending together. It is just a neat little book. It is very funny and very emotional, and it, it's very well drawn and everything else. They've now come out with a gigantic one of these 700-page things that if you uh. put it on your lap to read, you'll never have children. <laughs> <laughs> it's in one of those sets oh. from, from Dark Horse. It's a really neat little book, and I would recommend it if you're of the mind to have a good laugh. I want to read it. I totally want to read it. Well, I looked at it before you got here, Steve, and I said, this looks like a Steve book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very telling yeah. in that way. <laughs> Not in a negative way at all. No, no, like you know. I uh, I like a little bit of the uh, the weird. Yeah, I know the wild. This is way out. It was a bad thing. It would be like, oh, this is a Steve book. Oh, come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, oh, this book is crap. Yeah. Let's have Steve review it. Yeah. But you know, there's there just a lot of buzz about it. I was walking through our local big sci-fi convention, Icon, last year, and there it was half price. Mm. So you start fanning through it, and okay, the first couple of pages, it's all sort of, you know, I, I see what was going on here. Mm-hmm. And as you go on, it's all because she meets, you know, her, where she's captured by this villain is called Ninjet. Mm. She's a female ninja. <laughs> the who names just keep on coming. Well, yeah, right. Or, or Cinder Block, which is a, a guy with a head of a I was going to ask you if that yeah. was one of the Cinder Blocks they used to boost the cars. No, Cinder Block. <laughs> S-Y-N-D-A-B-L-O-C-K. Mm, clever. He's Cinder Block. Yes. So the, the ninjet captures her and ends up they end up drinking buddies because her friends won't come to capture the capture supervillain, so they go out drinking together. Mm. It is just charming, and it's, it's completely weird mm-hmm. and utterly strange and charming, and there isn't enough of that around. Hmm. Very nice. Very nice. So empowered. It's empowered. Very nice. From Dark Horse. From Dark Horse. There are seven volumes, no, six volumes so far, a seventh volume of trade paperbacks coming. But now the big omnibus of one to three with extra special features. So it's an ongoing series right now? It only comes out as trade paperbacks. There have ah, been two one-shots okay. as comics. Mm. He would just start to collect pages and then mush them together. This is one long storyline. It's a couple of hundred pages of one long continued one to the next to the next. I'm going to borrow that. Interesting. Sure. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So that's it for our book of the week. Uh, we're going to go off the beaten path yes. with Steve. Well, speaking of strange and wonderful, uh, I think that we should maybe rename uh, Off the Beaten Path to Steve Just Gushes About Shit. Cause <laughs> We're fine with that. I tend to pick things for, for Off the Beaten Path that uh, I read that really, really excited me. Mm-hmm. And one of the many things that I read over the weekend uh, was a book, the first volume of Amulet. I don't know if anyone's heard of it but it was put out by scholastic uh scholastic was is is the company that puts out all those lovely books in your elementary school it also uh they published sidekicks that we talked about by dan santow okay. and um there was something else that we talked about that was scholastic anyway it's escaping me so <laughs> amulet is written by uh i'm gonna all right here we go kazu kabushi i think i got it i think so so this is volume one, book one, called The Stonekeeper. And what this book is about is, uh, this is not a spoiler because it happens right in the prologue. Um, family, daughter, mother, father are traveling on the road, just having a conversation. They're on their way, I think, to the arcade to go and, and pick up their son. He might be at a birthday party. They never really tell you. And they end up getting into a car accident. And unfortunately, the father... Uh, falls off the edge of the cliff in the car and passes away. The daughter, Emily, and the mother, um, I don't think they name her, but she she escapes. And basically, we flash forward to about two years later, and you have Emily, who's the little girl, and uh, her little brother, Naveen, who um, is now, you know, part of the picture. The three of them are moving into their great-grandfather's old house. And of course, in traditional, like, fantasy-style storytelling... The house is like, you know, the lock and key house. Like, it's this big, dusty mansion. Mm. Of course, everybody has a great uncle that, oh, you yes. know, had one of these crazy houses yeah, with, like, you know, a study with, like, you know, eagles in it and stuff. <laughs> and the Necronomicon. I'm right. Well, here somebody. we go. Yeah, here yeah. we go. The Necronomicon. Um, they're cleaning the house, and Emily finds a study. And she walks over to a book, 
And basically, she's blowing the dust off of it, and she finds a imprint of a looks like a handprint that you can place your hand into into oh, the stone. Don't don't right. She places her hand into the stone, and she cuts her finger, and the blood activates the tablet that the you know the the hand impression is in. And underneath, it flips around, and it uh, exposes this piece of jewelry, and it's a stone. The stone's, like, kind of whispering to her. It's telling, you know, put me on, the Mm -hmm. whole bit. So she puts on the stone, and she it's all foretold. She becomes the stonekeeper. Um, What ends up happening after that is creatures come in the night, as they always do, and um, basically take her mother and her brother— and bring her into and bring them all into another world. Now, what excited me the most about this book is how absolutely pure it is to its source material. It is through and through a fantasy graphic novel. The artwork is absolutely just so cool. It's very cartoony, uh, almost has a little bit of like storybook anime to it a little bit. The characters are very expressive. Uh, very excitable. There's lots of like little personality quirks. Like the little brother is always like excited about stuff. He's always like screaming like, like bring it on and <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, there's a very, very good sense of family and camaraderie, like through the loss of the father, the three of them have really bonded. They're all that they have, you know, they're in a new town. Family is family, the whole bit. And then when the family's threatened and the family's taken, you have to grow up. You have to venture into this world. You have a destiny, and you have to. The mother and the brother end up getting taken, as I said, and it's up to Emily and her friends uh, to basically to save them. Now, the thing about the book that was so wonderful was the way that it moved. There are certain comics that, like, you read it and it's panel by panel, and they move from like one scene to the next, and it gets a little choppy. This book, I believe there's going to be a, there's four volumes of it so far. There's going to be a fifth one, I believe, later this year. Um, but the way that the book moves is it's so fluid. It is so visceral that you're like, you're right in there. It's like reading like The Never Running Story or Princess Bride or something like that or Stardust, where you're just like, you're so, the world is so fully realized. Mm-hmm. The characters have such great personalities. They're not cliche. They're flawed. They're funny. Um, they're weird. And I'm halfway through volume two. They keep adding more and more characters. The cast is gigantic. And each and every character has been enjoyable to read. There hasn't been anyone where I've been like, oh my God, can we just not have you be a part of the story? Can you fall off like a mushroom's cliff's edge or something like that? (laughs) Um, Lots of peril, tons of action, and a really, really, really strong, um, like an overtone of the fact that family and friends are so important that you you can do anything. You can achieve even if you're a little kid. You like you. You have a destiny. You have these people that are behind you that believe in you. And even if you screw up, because they do, mm-hmm. they will be behind you. They know that you're the chosen one, and they will see you through. Um, absolutely fantastic. Reminded me a little bit of um, Hayao Miyazaki, who did Spirited Away mm-hmm. and Ponyo and um, My Neighbor Totoro and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Has that same magical quality to it. That you're you're being whisked away into a, a world that's completely different than our reality, 
but it's a very organic, very, um, it feels real, even though it's fantasy. It feels real. Like the town, you smell the air. It's really, really, really well done. I don't know if you can smell the air, but sure you, you can. can smell the air. I did. Yeah. Here, New, here in New York, you yeah. can. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it's it's called Amulet. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous series. There's four volumes to it. There's a fifth one coming out. And it's just a super enjoyable read. It is totally kid-friendly. Uh, an awesome, awesome book if you want to sit down with like your eight or nine-year-old to like 12, you want to hand a 12-year-old the book, it's totally safe um, and something that you can read before they go to bed and it's just awesome. So I can't recommend it anymore. Great. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so Amulet, and that's volume one you have there, Yeah, right? volume one by Kazu uh, Kibushi. Okay. All right. So that's it for Off the Beaten Path. Uh, we're going to come right back with a little bit of news. <laughs> around reading the wonder woman and the wonder woman number one is just so massively terrible thank the you the art is awful the writing is awful the whole thing is awful just wait till you go to the club i like the <laughs> art but i don't like the i writing. like the art i don't like the writing yeah i didn't like it like i don't know what it was about it but i just did not dig it and like i couldn't believe that something that was supposed to be you know good <laughs> Good for you, Steph. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Good for you for agreeing with me. Let's let's do this. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <clears throat> news. Yeah, we're gonna do talk about some news on the talking comer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Right, that was. I, I have a feeling that these conversations are gonna be brief. A little John Fogarty there for you. All right, so. <laughs> Talk, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> the theme music brought to you by Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> the new new theme music. Talk about news. Talk about comics. All right, so we are back to talk about a little bit of news. news. Dude, any better version. <laughs> Talking comics. Gonna go, where's it gonna go? Sorry. <laughs> Don't we need a ukulele for Gonna talk about who's gonna go. All right. um, So we have a little bit of comic news to discuss. Um, I'm gonna start with a story that's near and dear to Bob's heart. Jonathan Hickman is leaving Fantastic Four. Arg! Take it away, Bob Ryer. And FF, and Future Foundation as well. Yeah, he's gone entirely. He's leaving both books. Before we get into it, there's a little bit of a a tag on this news. There's a bump. But before we get to that bump, how do you feel about this, Bob? Very sadly, because this was a book that was floundering. I, I Let me rephrase. Foundering. I hate when people say floundering. Mm-hmm. Uh, for many years, and Hickman brought it back. He reconnected the characters to their base, to each other, to the grandeur that should be what the Fantastic Four is, the central piece of this universe. To have him disappear, I hope it comes back into good hands. Because mm-hmm. right now, it's as good as it's been in many, many years. Mm-hmm. The tag is Bobby. Yes. Um, well, just so we the details, um, he's leaving after Fantastic Four number six eleven and Future Foundation number twenty three, which will be in October. So still a, a couple yeah. months left, but that's when he's leaving. Um, the tag is he's also leaving. He's not doing the Ultimates anymore. Ultimate Comic Ultimates anymore, mm-hmm. and he's leaving because um, Marvel made him an offer 
that he couldn't refuse to pick up, do another book, and he couldn't. Yeah, exactly. And he couldn't review, re, could not refuse what, well, yeah, what Marvel offered him. So I got Bob. A deal for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Um, <laughs> let's all do bad Brando. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, offer he couldn't pass up. Let's let's word it which, like that. Which, which, with Bendis leaving the Avengers. Do you think Hickman might be taking over the Avengers? I think it has to be that. What else can it be? Brubaker's not leaving Cap. Mm-hmm. X-Men books are kind of all over the map at this point. Right. Where else does he go? What is the other big... What's the thing he couldn't he couldn't pass up? It's got to be Avengers. It's not going to be Spider-Man because Spider-Man slot's That's not right. leaving Spider-Man. So do you yeah. think the Avengers is kind of the open slot there? Thank you, please, Lord God. <laughs> please put Hickman over there. Let him fix that book too. So let me ask you a question, Bob. Would you rather? <laughs> would you rather have Hickman? Uh, no, wait a minute. Okay, H- wait a minute. This take is one over of those. the Avengers, yeah, or Bendis take over the Fantastic Four. I don't want Bendis to take over anything. Right, but I'm saying, oh. if you had to make that trade, no. Okay. No, because I'd rather read a really good Fantastic Four every month than a really good Avengers. Yeah. Book. Interesting. Hmm. You're not very happy with Brian Michael Bendis. We've we've made this clear a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And you'll be making this clear also on the site. Um, yeah, get, I'm not getting a Christmas card from Mr. Bendis. Right. Um, I am. <laughs> he so, likes me. whoop de damn do as Derek Coleman used to say. <laughs> We're Twitter uh, friends. <laughs> I mean, other than... Uh, but Okay, now that... Okay, you want Hickman to take over Avengers. He's going to leave FF one way or the other. Right, and he's leaving Ultimate, so he's clearing a schedule. Right. For a bunch, for something, and it's offer he couldn't pass up. And see, right now the Avengers is driving the Marvel universe forward. That's where events are taking place, mm-hmm. and we're driving through that. I'd like this universe to be better and more heroic, mm-hmm. and not the dark, hideous place it's becoming. Mm-hmm. Hickman, I think, gets it. So if Avengers will make the change everywhere, if it'll bleed through the other books, I'm very happy with that. And we'll have to hope that someone who takes over FF will continue his thrust, if at least temporarily. Well, that's a question. Oh, who would you like to see take over FF? I love Jeff Parker from Thunderbolts right now if okay. I'm picking somebody. Interesting. Um, I, I feel like at some point in time, Matt Fraction has to get moved up to one of the bigger okay. books. I don't know if it's going to be Fantastic Four. I don't know if it's going to be Avengers. I don't know what it's going to be. But I feel like he's been kind of doing his thing in smaller books in waiting quotes, for the smaller waiting, books right, waiting for the moment waiting for the big moment okay. um, and he's also people comic book fans love him so it, it would make sense for him to move, okay. him to move up because um, I think I, I don't think it's going to be Remender because I think Remender is kind of feels comfortable in his Secret Avengers X-Force yes like world that he's got going on and to bring his kind of extreme wordiness to Fantastic Four, I don't think would really work complete, completely. He's a very wordy, wordy writer who likes to deal with serious, big things over and over again. And we need some lightness. Yeah, you need a little bit of lightness in Fantastic Four. Um, I know that Steve, you're not reading Fantastic Four. And I know Stephanie's not, so you probably, probably don't have very much opinion about no, no, what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, you both have gone on the Hickman bandwagon after my... Well, I laid down thinking, but uh, Steve this week reviewed a book by Jonathan Hickman, an image book, Oh, which he did not love. <laughs> oh. oh, the Manhattan Projects. Yeah, it's it's one of those books that after I 
I read it a second time. It's all right. I I mean, I know that he's a big writer mm-hmm. and everything. Like like I said, when I asked you when I was writing the review, I was like, is this a big deal? Because I kind of <laughs> hated it. Like, you know, you don't want to really, you don't want to piss people off, but you have a, you have a, you have to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, like I said earlier, militaristic, po- super political. Mm-hmm. I just, I it bores me. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't like the environment. I don't like the setting. It just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. But the fact that they took Oppenheimer and they took a, a, a real historical figure, somebody that was a, a monster, mm-hmm. really, in the development of us as a species and our mm-hmm. ability to bomb the shit out of people with nuclear weapons. Um, it's just, it's an interesting take on a historical character, but the action portion of it was super lame. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking like Shogun- Warriors. It was like with I Oppenheimer. Like was, yeah, like there was a portal okay. that opened, and all these like samurai kabuki warriors jumped out, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like all this like science fiction shit, yeah. and like aliens do like Shogun warriors. How fucking boring. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't care for it. I sorry, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have an Oppenheimer discussion off air. Yes. Let's not get into the Oppenheimer discussion <laughs> on the Dustin <Dark laughs> Yeah, podcast. It's just a bit much. Uh, well, back in blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. Yeah, so go in there. Hick so Hickman's gonna be leading Fantasy Four. Um but to to a character that's coming in, uh Jeff Johns that recently just came out that Shazam we're gonna Shazam. He's going to appear in... Shazam! Shazam is going to be appearing in Justice League number seven. Stephanie's got to do it, too. Go ahead. Shazam! Yeah! <laughs> yeah there we go. Sorry. There we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm screwing the levels up. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, according to John's... Uh, well, first of all, the big news is that he's officially no longer Captain Marvel. He's just wrong, Shazam. Wrong, wrong, Go ahead. Um... <laughs> Because uh, he's Captain Effin Marvel. Well, for a very long time, DC has had a lot of trouble calling him Captain Marvel because of lawsuits and such. Marvel doesn't care if they call him Captain Marvel. You can't call the book Captin Marvel. Right. And that's it. But that's... they're ending kind of the brand confusion of the book the book's not called Captain Marvel, it's called Shazam. Yeah. yeah. But he's called Captain Marvel. And they're making him into dark Captain Marvel with a hood. And now he's a teenager well, and a magical teenager. mystical thought... issues and I thought the design was quite cool. The design is really cool. No, it isn't. He's like Cole from Infamous with a hood. He's not supposed to be. He's a little kid newsboy who wanders down a subway tunnel and finds the wizard Shazam. He does look a bit like Cloak. Yeah. (laughs) Can't anything be light? No. Yeah, enough already. These are dark and broody times, Bob. Uh, Sinister. So he's been... (laughs) Sinister, thank you. He's been redesigned and... um, Destroyed. They've taken away his circus strongman elements from his costume. Is what okay, so let's take away Superman's costume, too. Well, they did that. <laughs> yeah, they gave him a priest collar now. Yeah, yeah but he also, in the, actually, he wears a t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, oh, and jeans. But, I don't even know if those comics are still any good. I haven't. Action? Uh, check, yeah. check, 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 please. Can I? Action's yeah. so good. Um, what he said is, uh, John's talking about, the, the, the new design is done by Gary Frank. Um, and he said, Gary and I will be focusing on the magic hero instead of the superhero. 
We're telling the story of this hero's young alter ego, Billy Baston, a, uh, a foster kid at a crossroads in his life. The question is, how does the emotional journey of this troubled teenager collide with the fate of the world? The rock of the eternity and the legacy of Shazam will be explored in a different way as the extent of Billy's connection to the magic world around him greater than ever before. Shazam! The story will have a profound <laughs> impact on Justice League later in the year, and you'll see new characters, locations, and creatures, along with the classics from the Shazam! universe. Shazam! <laughs> yeah, uh, the dark Mr. Mind, the two-inch worm. Billy's yeah, friends and enemies will be along for the ride. I want to see Hoppy the Marvel Bunny done dark. He'll have big, giant teeth, and he'll like eat big people. floppy ears. Yeah. That oh, envelop you. God, can't we have a book for kids that would be nice? Well, they're not going to make... That's why you have Amulet. Shazam! Maybe kids. right. Shazam! 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 That's the only reason you chose a story, isn't yep. it? So you could say that over and over Come on, again. one more time. Shazam! Stephanie. And, to wait, get wait, me aggra- and to get me aggravated, yeah. Stephanie. One more time. Me? Yeah. Oh, okay, hang on. Got to get in the mode. Deep breath. Shazam! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Uh, makes me think of that great... Gomer Shaquille Pond. O'Neal movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, what I've been having in my head, and I didn't want to say anything. Kazam. <laughs> what was the other one? The one where he goes, like, they, they pick him and they pluck. I can't even say it. They pick him and they pluck him. No, because I, I, no, I don't want to forget it. Never mind. Let's move on. Steel? Okay. Steel we're talking about? No, it's another one. Blue Chips? <laughs> yeah, you Is know. a basketball movie? It might not. Ah, there's another one. Okay. There's I don't think it made any more than that. Blue Chips might be it, though. Okay. He's in a movie called Blue Chips. He's in Steel. Yeah. He's in Kazam. Yeah. There's another one. Um, Doesn't he pop out of a boombox? No. Kazam. Kazam. He's a genie in a boombox. That's Kazam. Kazam. Oh, man, that the is genie fat. genie in a boombox. That's fat. <laughs> that is so fat. P-H-A-T. <laughs> fat. First time that word's been used Word. Here. Um, <laughs> um, so white. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yep. Let's be fair. There's nothing urban about Kazam. Okay. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so a couple more comic book stories before we get into that. Um, Stephanie, did you hear about the Assassin's Creed news? I did. I watched the trailer for it the other day. I did not, but I can add that if you go to your local GameStop, they have a very gorgeous, uh, steel box. They do. That if you pre-order it, they'll give you the steel box to fit your game for later. And it is very pretty. It is pretty. I'm really surprised that they've already, like, it's so soon. Like, I'm still waiting for the next Bioshock game that keeps getting pushed back. And it's already been announced for October. Like, it has, like, it's October 16th it's coming out. Yes. Oh. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little less excited about the game being, like, set in the States. I, like, I don't know if... You guys said you didn't see the trailer, correct? I saw the trailer. Um, Just so everybody knows out there, it's set in the American Revolution. Yes. Um, That's what the new Assassin's Creed game is set in. Um, so it's set between apparently it's like a 20 year period. I think they said it's set between, I think it's like mm-hmm. 1765 to 1785 or something around yeah, something that, like that, that. that time. Um, well, why don't you, what, what other than that you hate America, Stephanie, why aren't you excited <laughs> that it's going to be set in the States? Um, I, I just don't know. Like I, I read through some of like, uh, IGN had a really good coverage of it and mm-hmm. what's sort of, uh, going to take place. And I mean, they had cities and stuff that he's going to be, and he's going to be in like Boston and, uh, and I can't remember where else he was going to be. New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to have like the same, like the other games are so beautiful because they're set in these like absolutely gorgeous cities 
and the scenery is just absolutely stunning. And I don't know mm-hmm. how it's going to be like with this game. What's wrong with Philadelphia? Well, but in 1765, Philadelphia is not like it's not going to look. It's going to look nice. Independence Hall. It was still. It's still there. Now. It will look nice. But she's talking. The, the other games are Constantinople, um, Jerusalem, and like Venice, Venice okay. Rome. You know, hey. and they just have like these. Oh. Hey. The details are just so stunning. And I'm not saying that this won't be good or like the scenery won't be good, but I just don't know how comparable it'll be to the other games. Mm. Um, however, like the the assassin, I'm interested to see how he plays out. Cause I'm like when we had our games of the year discussion, mm. I know I said playing Ezio, old Ezio got a little bit, you know, rickety tedious after a <laughs> while. And like, it will be good to get like a new fresh blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Desmond's back and they're going to mm-hmm. be developing that story some more. And, um, this assassin is named Connor. Yes. Ugh. Uh, he has a really long name and, uh, I think Kotaku wrote up a big thing about how to pronounce it. Unlike the other names that they've given these characters. (laughs) Um, But I'm still really, really stoked for it. It looks beautiful. The trailer, as always, they look Mm. beautiful. But I just, I'm not Mm. as excited about the setting. You know what has me excited? What? The possibility of Diablo 3 coming out on April 17th. Wait, no. (laughs) I don't it's think that it's happen. no. I don't think it's going to happen. But the Try rumor April twenty thirteen. No, <laughs> their rumor online is is from many sources. I don't think it's true, but that Diablo three will be released April seventeenth. Mm. I doubt it, but if that is true, then I take tonight to announce my retirement <laughs> from talking comics on April seventeenth. <laughs> on April seventeenth, <laughs> because I will live, eat, breathe, and shit that game. Mm. And you'll hear all about it on the Talking <laughs> Comics yeah, podcast. Yeah, you're back already. What's your favorite book of the week? What are books? Yeah, Diablo. Yeah. What uh, a, I'm interested. Was, what did you think of the trailer, Bobby? Going back to Assassin's Creed for a second. I'm really no. interested in it because what you're saying about it being so different and non-comparable to other games is actually what has me excited about it. Because we've had four games, four Assassin's Creed games that are basically taking place in, I mean, they're different places, but with the same type of gameplay and the same idea of what's going on. Ancient city, um, a lot of verticality as far mm-hmm. as going up, exploring these very the viewpoints. Yeah. Viewpoints, very famous, um, you know, landmarks. And this takes us to a different point point because in the trailer, if the trailer is to be believed, there's gonna be a lot of, a lot of the free running and stuff will take place on like the, the trees and stuff, sure. Because you know, well, <laughs> that's no, how we fought the revolution. The yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's also because the, the trees used to be so dense in America that you could like run from the Atlantic to the Pacific without touching the ground. You know, that mm-hmm. was like this thing, right? So, um, I find that to be interesting. I find the fact that there's, it looks like there's going to be huge battle scenes. Like there's going to be big oh. war scenes between the two things, the two sides. And you're going to be kind of involved in some way in these things. And they've never done that before. Yeah, they've actually announced um, before the maximum amount of um, NPCs on the screen was 100. Mm-hmm. And now they've actually expanded that. And uh, it's 1,000 people on screen that you can interact with. At wow. end. Like, Whoa. Like yeah. They've, it's so you can shove 1,000 different people? Well, yeah. no, they have like wars. Like you, in the trailer, uh, you get to see a battle taking place. And I think you get to like possibly interact yeah. in that battle somehow. Mm-hmm. And um, 
apparently there's going to be like new gadgets and um who did they say was going to be like the leonardo da vinci ben franklin Yes. Oh, that makes oh, that's sense. That's cool. Yeah, and George Washington's going to be a, like an interact. You interact with George Washington in the game, and um, the your the character is of part. He's part Native American, part English. He's part British. So he's he, he's a mix, and um, it's what the weirdest thing to me about it is uh, what I got to say. Assassin's Creed is brilliant with the way they market their games because they always have that. It's basically that same image. That guy in that white hood is always the image, and it's so recognizable at this point. But more than ever, he does not fit into the world that he is walking around mm-hmm. in. You know, yeah. like, and like at least in you know, well, in the Altair in the Assassin's Creed One, he fits completely in. Ezio still kind of fits in, but not really. And now uh, this character doesn't fit in at all. Which well, but, he had like the militaryish jacket. Yeah, <laughs> but still a white hood. Yeah, but he had yeah. a military jacket. Yeah, so yeah. like, oh, this guy's one of us. <laughs> Obviously, we all yeah. dress this way. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, I feel like it's going to change things up a little bit, and that's really what I'm most excited about. I, I, I hope they get. They've already said they're getting rid of the kind of tower defense elements of the. Oh yeah, I hated that. Of revelations and some of the other stuff they they kind of brought in. They're getting rid of that, so I think it can be a really fresh, interesting start for the series because. This is sort of like the the culmination of this main, like I think Desmond's story, what they've kind of alluded to. So I'm really excited to see what happens. Yeah, they had yeah. better fucking give us answers this time because <laughs> I was so gypped in Revelations. I, if they weren't so pretty, I would swear off them. <laughs> God. How many games are they in so far? Um, this is well, this is called Assassin's Creed Three, but it's the fifth. Fifth game? Fifth yes. Game. Yeah, it is. Assassin's Creed 1, Assassin's Creed 2, and then two kind of sequels to Assassin's Creed 2 called Brotherhood and Revelations. Um, I mean, <sighs> they've been saying they've been working on this game for three years, so this is a different team that's been working on the other two sequels to two, so I am very excited about it coming out. Um, kind of staying with video games a little bit, this is a very loose rumor, but the kind of producers of... Batman Arkham City have said that there is DLC on the way. They haven't said what it is. Yeah, they didn't say much. Or what it's going to be. But my question, Steve, you played Arkham City. I did. Um, what would you like to see out of a DLC pack? I would like to see uh, more Catwoman. Okay. I'd like to see more Catwoman. I'd like to see... I mean, I don't think they're going to do this. But they're... Um, who was it? Nightwing? That was a downloadable character? Or was it Robin? It's both, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be cool if they were integrated into the story mm-hmm. a little bit. You get to actually play as them inside of the story. Like what I would like to see, like for me, what what DLC should be is it should expand. A lot of the times you get DLC and you're done with it in like a day and a half. You know, downloadable content. If you're going to promise people like a big thing, you need to deliver. You need to take the game and expand it. Go into the game. And have like chapter breaks, make chapter breaks, like even make your make make your players play the game over again, that if you want to see these chapters integrated into the story, play through the game again. And we've altered the story. We've we've changed the way that the outcome like, do you remember that it ended because of this? Well, this is a piece that you didn't get to see. Mm -hmm. Here it is. Yeah. Um, 
as far as I mean, you could do anything with uh, there's so many villains, there's so many characters. Uh, there are villains that we didn't really get to explore too much. Like there were like Easter egg things. Mm-hmm. Um, Croc for one, Killer Croc had like a moment in the game, mm-hmm. a Easter egg moment. You could expand that sewer sequence. And you can put Batman back into the sewer and have like an epic uh, croc arc. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, and it'll just be part of the same story, just making the original game bigger, mm-hmm. which is what DLC is supposed to do. So. Yeah, it's that's interesting. I mean, the the thing that first comes to mind is actually along the same lines, which is there's that moment in Arkham City where you see Robin, and he kind of says, "Hey, I'm going to do this thing." You know, I'm, and, and Batman's like, well, I need you to go protect these people and do this and do that. I'd like to see that as like the DLC. The only thing I, reason I think of that would happen is because he does mention, he tells Robin to go back to Gotham and they haven't built Gotham as like a, an area, you know, so it'd be hard to oh. make that, you know, that area. But that was what I like to see. I'd like, the, the thing about the Robin character too is they voiced him. They have, if you play with him in the challenge rooms, he has all these different kind of gadgets. He has a different moveset. So the character is there. You know, it would be interesting to see that. The Robin is the really the thing that would probably get me to go back hmm. to play Arkham City over anything else. Um, Stephanie, did you play Arkham City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I thought, like, they didn't really have much with Azrael either. Mm-hmm. Um, he is there. Right. But then you just have these really stupid little side missions. <laughs> and, I mean, like, it seemed kind of pointless. Um, I think it would be fun to do something with the multiplayer um, oh. and I, actually, do they even have a multiplayer with Arkham City? No, 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 no. I think it could be fun. Like, um, have you played like the single, like those little challenges where you have to kill everyone within a certain time limit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be fun to do something like multiplayer with that and mm-hmm. kind of have your friends and last person standing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's been done before, but it hasn't been done before with these characters well actually i'm thinking that's a lie too well, no, but. pull robin in pull Catwoman in and yeah. go after i think it would be a better yeah. co-op type situation you know I think, okay. I think too um it would be fun to be able to play through the game as one of the bad guys like you're trying ah, to destroy gotham while batman's trying to save it that could be really cool like it would be cool to play from the joker's perspective because you know like or whoever but I mean, change it up. You, I, I don't want to go back through and play just for the sake of getting like achievements mm-hmm. to play it on the harder level. Like I don't care that much to do it because it wasn't like it was a fun game, but it wasn't great that I would want to try and beat it on a harder level like I would like with something like Gears of War. Um, but I think it would be fun to play it from someone else's perspective. Interesting. Besides maybe like Catwoman. I know we play as Catwoman, but right. not nearly as much. And I don't think she would be the person I would want to play a full game with, even though her combat is awesome. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know. You so want to do the Catwoman impression. I know. I do. But Go you told me it. not to. No, who it's did, no, no now, it's, now it's on. Fair game. <laughs> okay. Meow, meow, meow. That's it. Gotta, Done. gotta work it in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's our predictions on what's going to happen with Batman Arkham City. Um, so we have one more news story. It's really quick. It's just um, it's actually coming on the 11th, so it's gonna we're gonna know what it is soon. But Marvel has announced something called Marvel Infinite Comics. Um, it's gonna be announced at South by Southwest, and 
what people are thinking is that it's going to be some sort of new addition to their subscription service where they're going to maybe either revamp their digital comic subscription or create a new service. I know I said that word completely wrong. <laughs> so it's you it. I did. I stephanied a regular word, which is so much worse. Um, so the, the maybe do tiers for you know different prices. Maybe for some for new, some for old. Um, VIP baby. Yeah. Um, the the cover the the, the the kind of teaser image is an image of Nova flying through space, and it's the design that was in the point one book where he's kind of going to earth to warn them about the Phoenix, you know, the, the, okay. uh, um, but it's kind of misleading because we they don't really know if that's going to have anything to do with what the infinite comics is about. Um, this coming month also Marvel is going basically day and date digital with everything. So that's why people think it's going to be coinciding. Um, Steve, how would you feel about a subscription service to a digital digital books, maybe a one flat rate, which would be less than buying all these books that you want to get individually, um, and have them kind of just sent to you or downloaded for free. I think that it's a wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for people that are into digital, mm-hmm. I think it's phenomenal, and uh, I think it would be well worth the investment, considering mm-hmm. that they're 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 going to be giving people a vast vast uh library of their old stuff to choose from however uh i will admit that i bought my tablet and i think i used it for like 2 weeks mm-hmm. and i really have not been using it uh very much since so uh for me personally it doesn't excite me in the least i'm a very much i'm very into physical media. I like books, DVDs. Digital just doesn't give me that same sense of ownership and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to display things, especially now that I have a whole place. Like mm-hmm. I just I want to be able to show it off. But I do think that it's a really wise decision. I think it's a good move if mm-hmm. if that is in fact what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anybody that's really into getting their comics digitally, they don't have time to get to the store mm-hmm. or they don't feel like dealing with the people that are in the stores, mm-hmm. except for Tor Comics in Holtzville. <laughs> right. But, um, I, you know, very, very cool for other people. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, it doesn't stir anything in my loins. Interesting. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, now, Bob, there's been subscription services to comic books for a very long time. Sure. But generally that means you get them later than the day and yes. date that if you walked into a store. This would mean the date comes out, you go onto your iPad, your device, whatever you want to do, your computer, and you can read it right then for whatever the price. I mean, obviously you don't do digital comics, but what do you think of the idea of that? Well, what is the price point going to be per month? Well, we have are no idea gonna, at this right, point. Are they yeah. going to charge you a dollar for each book that comes out? Mm-hmm. In essence, $50, $60 a month, mm-hmm. and you get everything. Mm-hmm. It's a great deal. Yeah. If it's two dollars, even most of the Marvels are three at this point. Yeah, are you going to end up buying a lot of books you don't want? Right. Uh, if you don't buy the X Men line, you now are paying for mm-hmm. fourteen X Men books or Wolverine books or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I am definitely a physical person too. In the way Steve is, I want the book in hand. I want to sit down and just sort of smell the paper and feel the <laughs> the ink and right, the, yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole mess of it. Ah. Uh, it's satisfying. It really is. I enjoy but it. I am, you know, I'm a moldy fig for mm-hmm. such things. I'm back there. Um, 
will this even them up with DC? Where's DC's price point with new books? Are they individually issue by issue? Well, they're still issue by issue. Yeah, there's no, I mean, there's subscription services just like there is, but it, that ends up being you get it a week late or whatever, okay. you know, um, but that's not digital, that's physical. There is no current subscription model. Marvel has a subscription thing for their older books, like that you can pay a flat rate and you get to read older stuff for a flat rate. But this new, this idea of a new book being mm-hmm. an subscription thing, I think is an interesting thing, especially in the digital space because you're not sending out physical copies to people. You know, if people are going to spend, let's say people are going to spend $10 a week on their Marvel books, let's say, and that's like 40 bucks a, a month. If you can get $50 a month from those get, people and get everything and get everything, it, Which costs them nothing. nothing. You know, it's a win for Marvel right. and it's a win for people. Um, yes. uh, Stephanie, what do you think about uh, like a subscription service to digital books? Um, honestly, coming off of a huge move across the country, mm-hmm. I wish I had more things digital. I love owning stuff. I love collecting. But at this point in time, like most of my stuff is in storage and I packed what I could in my car and I kind of wish that all the stuff in my car was everything that I owned because yeah. it is just so much hassle to have all this stuff. And at this point in time, I'm really ready to go digital with a lot of my comics, my books, my movies, everything. I I think it's a great idea as far as if they're going to make it like a reasonable price. I think it's a great idea for people who just want to live minimalistically and don't have everything on display. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> I, I I don't think that they could do any wrong with this. And it's nice too. Like, um, I don't know, everyone uses iTunes for the most part. And I don't know like if you guys go on the store a lot, but they have like um like the song of the week, correct? Yeah, yeah, anyone? yes, yeah. You guys absolutely. familiar? Yeah. Yes. And it's basically a free song that promotes, you know, they they're promoting. And I get on that like every week. I get like a new song, I listen to it. Sometimes if it sucks, I delete it, but I always check it mm-hmm. out. And I think that something like that would be cool, like a comic of the week where it's free yes. and they're trying to promote it. Like Marvel launched um, their comics. They're selling them on iTunes now. Mm-hmm. And they had a free comic on there for the launch. I believe mm-hmm. it was an Avengers comic. And I ha- I've never read it. I had no idea what it was. It was free. I downloaded it. Mm-hmm. And I think that would also be a really good way for people to kind of be able to get into it, too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's that freedom that digital has over physical, which is if you go on Comixology, just the app that's for and the service that's for downloading comics, one it's like the biggest one. They have a ton of free books. The first issue of Walking Dead is free. The, you know, they, they, do the, they do all this stuff. And it's that freedom they have to be like, okay, we'll make this free because it doesn't really cost us anything. We've already sure. sold X amount of these books. We don't have to print another one. Let's be able to hit a button and download it. And I think that ability gives them the flexibility to grab new people, you know, or engage people who are just maybe on the fringe. Like maybe I just read Buffy every, every month because I loved Buffy, but Oh look, this other book is, is free. And it's, it's like Buffy, you know, on the digital store, yeah. like do an iTunes, do anything else or an Amazon, you know, maybe I'll download for free. Oh, this is awesome. I'll keep, you know, you know, I think that's what digital has over, um, mm-hmm. the, the physical in any way. And I think subscription is an interesting thing. Again, this news to come out, it could not even be this. It could be some other just line of sure. Marvel books. Yeah. Um, the way they're promoting it doesn't seem like that, but 
I think this could really be a boon for them because it will get people deeper into their catalog. You, you know, well, I yeah, agree. Man. Like even with Vertigo and their physical copies, like of things like iZombie, like iZombie was a dollar, mm-hmm. like for issue number one. Right. And that's just so much more appealing when, you know, something's cheap and you don't know if it's going to be any good and mm-hmm. you can jump on and not have to dedicate a whole lot of money to check it out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. In, in most stores at this point, the back issue department is great if you want to go back 20 years. Mm-hmm. If you want to go back a year, mm-hmm. actually, as you pointed out in your article, yeah, yeah, it is really a problem because stores are ordering really close to the vest now because mm-hmm. it's really tough to, to make a dollar. So you can't have five extra copies of last month's book or mm-hmm. number one of three, four months ago. If you could get it for nothing yeah, or as part of a subscription, again, mm-hmm. a way to promote an underperforming book right? Yeah. or a book that, wow, picked up at issue four, but no one got one and two. Mm-hmm. Do I want to spend $10 for the variant cover in some bag right? Yeah, exactly. and get it for a buck or yeah. nothing? And Absolutely. I, I now then buy every month the mm-hmm. same book. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, all right, cool. So that's it for our news. Um, we're going to go right on to uh, this week's releases. Um, from DC, we have Action Comics, number seven. We have Animal Man, number seven. Yeah, yeah. We have Batwing, number seven. We have Detective Comics, number seven. Hmm. Ferrist, number one. Hell yeah. Oh, yes, please. I am so <laughs> picking that up today. Which all is a spinoff. Over that. Spinoff of Fables. Fables. There yes. you go. Um, the trade paperback of Flashpoint is out. We have um, the trade paperback of Volume Four of Gotham City Sirens Ooh. is coming out. We have uh, Green Arrow number seven, Hawk and Dove number seven, Huntress number six of Yay. six, um, <laughs> I Zombie number twenty three, uh, Justice League International number seven, Men of War number seven, something called Night Force number one of six. Uh, OMAC number seven, Red Lanterns number seven, Scooby Doo, where are you? And a lot of those are the getting close to their last issue. Yeah, number eight will be the last for OMAC, Men of War, and Hawk and Dove. Um, Aww. Yeah, uh, Stormwatch number seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> Supernatural, Supernatural, Supernatural. Supernatural. Finally, number they're, they're finishing up. That has yeah. been... I've bought every one. I haven't... I read one and two. This is so disappointing. I hope it got better. <laughs> uh, Swamp Thing, number seven. Yes. And Sweet Tooth, number 31. Yay. Um, from Dynamite, we have Boys, number 64. We have Garth Ennis' Jennifer Blood, number 10, which I feel like comes out every week. I feel <laughs> like too. I'm always saying Garth Ennis' Jennifer Blood. Um, Kirby Genesis, Captain Victory, number four. That comes out every week, too, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lone Ranger number three, uh, and then from IDW, Stephanie's favorite uh, publishing company. They're a good company. <laughs> we have Thirty Days of Night number five. See, we have oh, they put They're out not so bad. They put out Monosite. They do. They also put out the Doctor Who comics, which I read a couple of actually this week. Very good, very well written. Um, GI Joe number eleven. Yo, Infestation two. Teenage Ninja Turtles number Who one. Cares. Uh, John Burns Next Men Aftermath number forty one. Thank you. <laughs> True Blood, The French Quarter, number six. whoop t <laughs> Yep. Um, on to Image, we have uh, Evangeline, number seven. We have Fatal, number three. Sweet. Yeah. Have, that was quick. 
Yeah, we review have review on the site. There is a review on the site on talkingcompooks.com. We have Hell Yeah number one. Hell yeah. We have Magdalena number eleven. Ooh. Manhattan Projects number one. Ooh. <laughs> Mice Templar Volume Three number eight. Wait, wait, Mice Templar? Yes, Mice Templar. Why not? Spawn number two seventeen. Um <laughs> from Marvel, we have Age of Apocalypse number one. We have Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man number 681. Yay! We have Avengers Academy number 27. We have Avengers The Children's Crusade number 9. We have Avengers X... Oh, no, sorry. That's a a second printing. Avengers X Sanction number 3. We have Defenders number 4. Yes. Um, Yes. I love that book. Indeed. Fear Itself The Fearless number 10. Hulk number 49. We have uh, Thor The Deviant Saga number 5. We have Toy hmm. Story, number one. Hmm. I, uh, we have Ultimate Comic Spider-Man, number eight. Yes. Uncanny X-Men, number eight. Venom, number 14. Villains for Hire, number four. Winter Soldier. Villains for Hire? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, Winter Soldier, number three. Cool. Great. Wolverine, number 302. Wolverine <laughs> and the X-Men, Alpha and Omega, yes. number three of five. Nice. X-Club, number four of five. And X-Men, number twenty. Six. Sweet. I always prepare for like sixty X Men titles. What yeah. is X Club? I have no idea. It's like uh, S Club, but with an X. Oh, <laughs> S Club Seven. Yeah. All right. Um. So that is it for this week's uh, big releases. Um. So thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys for being here. Yes. Uh, that was I think thank a pretty good show. Thank you for having us. That was a pretty good show, I think. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. That wasn't hey. our best. It's all right. <laughs> Um, so that is it for Talking Comics for this week. For Steve. Go by Ferris number one. Bob. Adios. Stephanie. I'll miss you. <laughs> I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. Continued.